Hi there, it's Martin from Robson Nadler. I'm here today at um, an unusual place, but um, we'll tell you more about why we're here in a second. I'm here with Charlie Sutton. Hi Charlie, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Good to see you again. Um, Charlie, your lockdown journey um, in some ways has been a little bit more exciting than others. Um, you've managed to keep the business going, keep doing things. Um, but if we can, for people who don't follow you on Instagram, you're pretty open on there, but if you can, first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yep. If you can give us 30 seconds on what your journey's been so far. Yeah, great. So, uh, thanks for having me here today. So, my name's Charlie Sullivan. I'm a uh, property investor and developer. Uh, I have a company called Capstone Fox, which primarily invests in the northeast of England, uh, but also around the northwest now, which is, is where I live. Uh, we invest in a range of different properties from uh, buy-to-lets, HMOs, all the way through to uh, amazing buildings like the one we're in today, which is a commercial conversion. So, yeah, real mix of things and, and some land as well, some land development. So, you mentioned the northwest there, what lie in the northeast? Because you, you've got a connection to the northeast, of course, haven't you? Yeah, so I, I grew up in the northwest uh, in Cheshire, uh, just south of Manchester, a place called Woodford near Stockport and came up to the northeast when I came to uni. So I studied mechanical engineering up here, uh, seems like a lifetime ago now, 2004, and uh, did, did four years, uh, did my masters, and started to work in the subsea industry up here, and um, uh, had a whole 10 year career in, in offshore engineering, in subsea engineering, before making the, the transition to property full time. Yeah, okay, so that explains why the locations. Um, what, what it doesn't explain is why you thought now, admittedly pretty cool with you made this decision, but last year sometime, I remember we talked and you said, think about giving up your day job. Yeah. You're going to move, you're going to develop a house, but I'm still going to keep the Northeast interests. I mean, what, what, what brought you to that decision? Um, I think, you know, throughout my 20s, I had a lot of fun in, in my career. Um, it was all about sort of going to that next level, the pay rise, and living a, a better lifestyle and things, and then, I got married and, um, and start to have kids. And as you know, I've got quite a few now, uh, onto our third. But it was really when our, our first um, child came along uh, that we started to think long term about options and, you know, did we want to be in a corporate role our entire lives or did we want to step out and do something a bit different that would give us more options for our family, you know, more flexibility, yeah. uh, more time. That was the idea. Uh, I think. Now I'm on that entrepreneurial journey. Best time. <laughs> yeah. Best, best. Now I'm on that journey. Um, it, it's very much uh, less of a nine to five, more of a twenty four seven approach. But uh, that, that's what started really. Kids. Yeah. Okay. So obviously that you know that is a big event for most people. But but even still, not many people say I'll give up the established career, the yeah. profession, and you know go off, off plan. You know. So you must. You must you must have already had an interest in property. I know you started property before you gave up the job. Mm. When did you realise that property could provide an income replacement? Well, it, it kind of started 10 years before we really got into it. And uh, a friend of mine, like my best friend, who's an investment man at my wedding, a guy called Rory, uh, me and him were living together in, in Gateshead. And, uh, you know, just two, two young guys in our careers, having a beer one night, talking about how we're going to become billionaires before we're 30 and, and all of those easy things you think you're going to achieve. The billionaires feel ambitious before 30, but the 40 is the billionaire stretch goal. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. And so we started to talk about ideas and uh, Rory came up with this idea to buy a, an end terrace in Bradford. 
turn the downstairs into a shop and the upstairs into a flat, get two lots of rent and, uh, and so we wrote to the only person we knew who had any property experience and, and that was my dad and um, wrote a letter to him asking for some advice. My dad wrote back really a, a letter from a father to a son just, just dispensing on years of wisdom and, and lessons that he'd learned being a property developer. And uh, you know, the, the, the tragedy in it is that three days after I got that letter, my, my dad actually passed away suddenly. Uh, it was in a, a helicopter crash. And, uh, and so I was kind of you know, blindsided by this event. But I knew that what my dad had sent me was absolute gold. You know, I knew there was wisdom in what he was sharing with me. He was saying things like property is a great route to wealth, you make money when you buy, um, there's lots of different exits, you don't have to just buy and hold, you can sell, you can split it up into different units. So there was all this stuff that I knew there was value in, but I, I guess I just wasn't ready to sort of launch into it on my own. So it took 10 years of learning in the corporate world, which was great training ground for kind of seeing how business operates, uh, the good and the bad. And, uh, and then when, when Heidi, our, our eldest, came along, uh, we start to really seriously look at property and read books around it and we start to hear some of these little golden nuggets that my dad had shared all these years ago and, and that got us really motivated to get into it. Yeah, I was quite cliche there, but it's this idea of property. Most people who have any kind of restriction will talk about building the right team and getting the right thing. It sounds hand that you've got a lot of it all at once right at the start in, in that letter from your dad. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with it. You know, it was yeah. there, but, um, but do, it was. Do you look back to that? Is that still something you think, or yeah. do you just remember what was in there? Is it still something like that gave I do, like, every now and then it's funny. I think I've sort of like extracted every little ounce of what he said, and then something will happen, and, and I'll remember, you know, he talks about having a little black book of trades and, and just like I have that now, you know, and it was like I accidentally started to do that and then I thought, oh my dad had talked about this this book that you yeah. you look after and you and you don't share it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well that's the dilemma with a good trade. If they're good, you don't want other people yeah. clogging up their diamonds, do you? You want you can protect you. Yeah, it's, it's a relational thing as well, you know, you if somebody does a really good job for you, you keep them busy. Yeah. and and they continue to do a good job and you're doing a good service in Continuing to give them work. It comes in handy as well when someone rings up in the middle of the night and you're in your first room there and the second room there. Good. If you've got four people you know you've got the latest. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, so it's not just yourself, it's yourself and your wife. But yeah. you she's not with us today, but what you, she presume you have a corporate career as well and yeah. made this decision. Yeah, it's very much a family affair, isn't it? 100%. And you know, I think one thing we found is we, we both bring very different strengths to, to the relationship. Um, G did work, as you say, in, in the corporate world. She worked for uh, what most will know as Northern Rock back in the day, uh, which became Virgin Money and, and is, is, is now uh, another name. And uh, so she got a lot of experience in, in banking and understanding how, um, how finance works and how financial products are put together. Uh, so we embarked on property very much as a unit together, but obviously she's, she's been pregnant for the last few years. so. Um, it's it's been mainly me doing more of the I, I suppose the sort of practical on the ground stuff. Yeah. Gina knows everything that goes on in the business, and is yeah. I would say my most trusted advisor. I'm, I'm sure no offence taken here, but yeah, that's why. Um, yeah, I'm sure Gina would disagree. There's plenty of Instagram pictures of Gina. What's safe with babies and children? So yeah, 100%. And uh, 
children are very good negotiators will buy them property, you know, if you take them in. It's a bit like Mary and Joseph coming to the inn and asking if there's any room. Do, do, do you put your own tattered clothes on as well when you're negotiating place? That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we have a fake baby in the pram that comes with us as well, just to try and embellish it. But it's nice to make it look even more extreme, yeah. So yeah, so, so I mean, there's a lot of people over there who are probably thinking, well, I'd love to get the property. Charlie and G Senate are having a great time there, it's going well. They had great advice from the start. They've got an engineering background to oversee the other product over, presumably. Yep. G had a finance career. Probably most people look at that and think, well, well, yeah, it's easy for you, you've got all of that. But the reality is, that might have helped you, but it, it, it didn't make it any easier, presumably. No. Gave you some skills to use. Yeah, and, and even though we both had, you know, very, what I say, good careers in the corporate world, we weren't saving a lot of money. You know, our, our cost of living was, was going up each year because we were having you know, a growing family, um, a, a bigger house to live in, bigger mortgage and things like that. So it wasn't like we had hundreds of thousands to invest in property. Yeah. And we actually started out with, with very little, but what we did do was we invested what we had, which was we carved out time to be able to start to learn about the strategies that are needed and, really to flesh out a business plan to enable us to see this not as a hobby or a yeah. side hustle, I mean, it's a trendy word, but... Gary Vee's got a lot of support in the hustle, hasn't he? Yeah, but it, it was more of, okay, this is going to be something that ultimately may end up replacing our primary income stream, so let's take it seriously and let's give it the time and commitment that it needs. And, yeah. and that's something I would share with people, it's the consistency that I think benefited us, not the... You shared that this week, in fact, on one of your posts this week, talks about what you can do in five hours. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. You know, you commit the five hours every week, you do something in those five hours. Yeah. And I don't think you watch eight episodes of this film or something. Yeah. It's five hours a week on each. And most people across a couple have got five hours, haven't they? I am yet to meet someone who hasn't. And normally when you start picking into people's like diary and their plans for the week, you can either get up an hour earlier or, you know, try and carve out some time on the weekend and Watch less TV. Watch less TV. Just yeah. have to be less family friendly, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Because it's not going to be a waste of time somewhere that can easily cut in. Yeah, and, and I know how busy we were, so I, I know the challenge that we had in finding that time. So it's normally quite easy to find that for other people. Yeah. And it's just about being disciplined with it, you know, turning the phone off uh, in terms of distractions from other things and focusing on, okay, today for this hour I'm going to learn more about property and strategies and put. My office in. You, you, there's, there's, there's plenty of areas that I wouldn't mind touching on, but you mentioned that term before, Mark, but then ironically, like the phone, like the social media, I think has been a big part of your journey. Yeah. Well. It's something I think you do very well, um, yeah. and I know that you've had success from having that presence on social media. It draws people to you, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, these days, the first thing people do if, if they hear your name or hear your business is they're going to go online and see what. And that will immediately form an opinion that somebody has on you. And it's the same for us. And it's interesting because, you know, we don't have a, we're not influencers, we're not huge, don't have a huge following, but we do have people that we meet who feel like they have a relationship with us, even though we've never met them before. And it's because the content that we put out shares what we're doing, gives the highs and the lows, and, and probably helps people to see and make a decision on whether they think we're credible whether we know what we're talking about and whether we've got a proven track record because it's very easy to talk the talk in, in any industry but when you're actually showcasing it you know, and demonstrating the projects that you're doing it, 
it's like your online CV. Yeah. And, and so a lot of the groundwork is done before you even meet people. I, I think what's interesting as well is a lot of you said to me now isn't actually publicly available. Yeah. Because what we're trying to do there is distill it into one short piece for people who are interested in. Yeah. You know, maybe next just haven't got time to talk through all of their basic in there. So this is a way of kind of distilling the journey, I suppose, for most people. Um, I mean, obviously we're in kind of the tail end of lockdown now. We're sitting in Gateshead, which might be locked in by the time you watch this. We'll see how that pans yeah, out. Your lockdown has been an interesting one. You packed in the corporate jobs last year. You moved away from the area. You've been pretty busy developing your home. Yeah. Looking for new projects and having a baby. Yeah. Not personally, but um, <laughs> so, so you, you, your lockdown's managed to probably be busier than it would have been. You've just been filled on a nine-to-five job, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's been a real test and that I kind of feel like, you know, for a lot of us who run our own businesses, it, it's been the, the challenge. It's almost like the fire drill that we never hoped we'd have to do, but we've had to. Yeah. And I think if you come through this and out the other side, there's, there's very little that I think will, will rock your, your business going forwards. And, and so we try to keep that at the forefront of our minds going into it. Don't panic. Take one day at a time and just know that you know, we can work our way through these things. So, you know, it certainly hasn't been comfortable, it's been difficult, but we have tried our very best to sort of find the opportunities in, in the crisis. Yeah. And that's something that I really always try and keep at the forefront, even if at times it looks like you're just like a swan, you know, yeah. graceful yeah. on top, yeah. paddle yeah. night, paddle underneath. It's, yeah. it's all part of the process. Well, come on, the latest opportunity in a minute, one of your opportunities in a minute, but. What, what one thing that I think is also um, a big part of what you do now, as well as you're happy to share your knowledge on, yeah. you, your social media is a great source for people who've got no idea mm. or the experience investors. It's your journey, mm. people can learn from that. Um, but also, you can help other people to start their own journeys as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about it. I, I you know, as I mentioned, I, I lost my father at quite a young age, which meant one of the biggest mentors in my life just went. So I had to go out and find those golden nuggets and that advice from other people. So you, you, you've got to set your own sort of pride and, and self-confidence aside when that happens and just be humble enough to go and ask for help, even if the answer might, might be no. And, and what I've found is, like most of the successful people that I've approached who are genuine and, and seriously successful, like are really keen to help the next generation come through, you know, that whole principle of if you get to the top, don't forget to send the lift back down, that, that kind yeah. of principle. So I feel passionately like I have to pass that on, you know, pass that baton on, even if my success is, is relatively small at the moment, I, I, I love it when people come to me and say, I, I want to move forward in what we're doing, and I see what you're doing, I'd love to do something similar, and I've got all the time in the world to help people like that. But actually, I often say to people, I don't, I feel like landlords are in a unique position in that, they seem more accommodating with other landlords than any other industry. If you, if you had two opposing packages, they would, they would compete directly. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I tend to find that landlords don't do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my unit days, I'd speak to people with hundreds of properties, and they would quite easily put their arm around and say, Here's some great tips, yeah. don't do this, don't do that. And it was very sharing, it was a great community experience, to be honest. Um, but certainly not the cutthroat kind of. No, you do get those characters, you know, you can, can be. You get results, but, yeah. but, but then I think you said it's not everyone who's like that, it's the, it's the genuine people who 
on doing it just over the greens yeah. doing it to you know for a great like golf festival. Yeah, and I, I certainly you know draw to those people that want to help, and, and I would like to be considered as somebody who does that for others as well. So you know it's great for the finance and the industry. So do you want to tell us a little bit about where we are and why we're here and what couldn't be described as an unusual setting? Yeah. Uh, bear in mind the people behind the camera can't see the rest of the. Uh, it, it is a quite an unusual place we are here. Yeah, I think it, it would be um, an apt word for it. it. Would definitely be a project uh, which, which we've taken on, yeah. and this is uh, a big step for us. Uh, you know, uh, I'm certainly not hiding that fact. But we have acquired this this phenomenal building in the northeast of England uh, in, in Gateshead, and it's it's actually uh, built in the early 1800s. It's been through various transitions from being a pub to a hotel to a boxing ring. Um, but it was originally built as a, uh, a place for railway workers to live, so uh, that's where we are. Yeah, actually, um, the exam not far from here is where I grew up, and I think um, the interchange of Hewitt was once the world's largest train interchange or something oh. crazy like that, so that would make a little bit of sense. It's a bit of trivia for people who care. <laughs> <laughs> also, I could be wrong on that, so don't, yeah, uh, yeah. don't, don't, we'll put that. That. don't put any money on that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal building. You know, this this was from my old stomping ground. I've drank in here in the past. Right. Um, you know, but we've got three floors of fantastic gold, as you say, two yellow features. Yeah. Um, rather than go through and you know tell everyone the secrets, but you know what what's the thing that you're most afraid of with this, and what's the thing you're most excited about? Yeah, good questions. Um, I think in terms of what I'm most afraid of, I would say. With a development like this, there's always a lot of uncertainties. And I think my background in engineering was I worked and designed equipment for offshore use. So, you know, very dangerous environment, a lot of safety factors involved. Zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. And, and you would do what's called corner specking something. You would design it to the, the degree that in the worst storm, the worst day of the year, worst temperatures, it would still be fit for purpose. And on projects like this, you feel like you lose control as, as somebody leading that project because there's so many unknowns until you start working on it. So I, I'd say one of my concerns is just ensuring we've got the right margins in place and um, contingencies for the build costs, but also there's always that element of risk on what you value the project at at the end and whether a valuer or the market agrees with that. Yeah. So I'd definitely say that is um, a concern. I'd also say I, I want to do a good job with the building. I, I certainly want to be able to retain original features and give it the love and respect that it deserves. And, and I do mean that. I, that isn't just you know a, a throwaway comment. Just saying that for the camera. No, there, there, there's just in case the fans are watching. Yeah. That's what you said. There, there's a, a responsibility, and when you build a relationship with the vendor as well, and you talk about your plans for the building, you want to know that you can deliver on them. So there's that aspect. And I'd say in the same breath, that's also what I'm most excited about, is being able to use my, my skills and ex expertise, if you like, in what I've learned in property today and the people that I've built around me to do what this building is crying out for and, and you know, make it stand out as a, as a real, um, kind of, you know, a real, give it a place marker on the map so that people, because a lot of local people know this building, and a lot of people will be watching it, so I just want to make sure that we... responsibility, I think, isn't yeah. it? You're doing something to... Most of the people in the film, in some way, will have been in this building. Yeah. At some point, whether it's a christening or 
or I've just been out there for one year or whatever it is. So yeah, it's a bit of responsibility. Really. That's it. Yeah. So that's what I'm excited about. And just being able to breathe life back into it where perhaps others aren't able to because they just haven't got the experience in the background. Yeah. Um, so when you join, I mean, what, so like I said, you've got a good three-story building, there's a good cellar in there, there's think of all the stuff that's happening here. What, what do you see this house being? When, when it's finished and when do you think that will be? Yeah, so in terms of what our plans are for it, it's obviously a, a, a very large red brick period building that, although on the outside appears to be commercial, as it's claimed has had commercial use in the past, it's actually sort of part, partially converted to residential at the moment. So it was a family that lived here um, and lived mainly on the upper floors. Uh, but our plan is to uh, convert it into multiple residential units. To apartments uh, with a variety of options really so it could be for private rental you know we're very close to fantastic transport links into the city and out to the coast and we're surrounded by some big employers yeah. so there's definite um, demand there for professionals who may want you know their own space in a fantastically converted uh, period property and um, sound like a salesman that, don't I? a little bit <laughs> Fantastic couple fact check that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and also it, it could be something that we work with either a care provider uh, or a housing association to hand over on a on a lease, whereby we can provide uh, the resident uh, residential use that they require for uh, an extended period of time. If that makes any sense. Um, I mean, other than someone's been living in yet, it's been empty for what, 15, 20 years now. It hasn't actually had. From yeah, yeah most, most of the building hasn't been used. It, you know, I think the original idea was to spend time converting it, but it's, it's a big project for anybody. Um, so it's not a hobby project, it's a professional yeah. project. Um, what, 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 what do you think you'd be able to do differently to, to this now, or that people have done, or, or it's going to be a tr tricky one for us, but there's a lot of quotes now closing, yeah. sadly. Um, you know, what are you hoping to, to, to give the community from this? Yeah, I think where we differentiate ourselves is, you know, we're not interested in a, a pack'em and stack'em philosophy. We don't look at a building and say, you know, how can we fit the most units in it to maximise the value? It's important to us that the end product is something that the current vendors would approve of and support. That is important to me. And it's also, you know, from our perspective, we have property in this council, in this area already. So we understand the market for one bed apartments, two bed apartments, and the tenant demographic. And we feel that there's, a, there's very much an opportunity here to provide something that isn't maybe necessarily available in the area, but if it were, would, would be very, very popular and desirable for, for that particular tenant demographic. Yeah, good. Um, are you working on anything else at the moment? Is there anything else that you can you talk about? Or? Yeah, I can. Um, we're currently working on a land development deal in Stockport where we are buying two back gardens and we are planning on them currently uh, for three houses. So our strategy there will be to sell those plots with the planning. Or so not to develop them out just to... Well that's the other option, that you could develop them out as well, but we're going to take a few at the time once, once we, we put it to market. Uh, and we also have a conversion of the grade two listed chapel in North Wales, which we're also excited about. 
where we're converting that to residential as well. And it's the same, it's the same philosophy really. We want to do something that is uh, contemporary, you know, modern, done to a, a, a very good standard and will be very desirable with, with people in the area to, to rent or buy. I've just realised this now, but there's two similarities between this project and the, the Wales project, the chapel, um, in that both kind of occupied someone's paddock home, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. So I've seen the pictures of the inside of the chapel and, and this kind of really partition walls kind of half dome and framing. Yeah. And, why is the thing that most people think, well, I'll just have a go at this huge project? I mean, yeah, I think. And why did it fail, do you think? I'm not, I'm not passing the point fingers and blaming it, but. Yeah, I think, I think the difference between the two projects is I don't think this one's ever taken on as a, a development to fail or succeed. You know, it's essentially going to be a, a family home. Um, and, and has been. I think in Wales, the the reason that one probably hasn't succeeded is, I think people can see value when they, they look at these big buildings, you know, particularly at the price point that, that, that the numbers work out. And in terms of the cost to develop it, it can often far outstrip the purchase price. And perhaps in the sort of romantic idea of doing it, you convince yourself it's gonna cost you less, um, but then upon trying to start and do the work yourself, it, it's, it can be very easy to, to develop huge costs. And of course, you've got external factors, whether you can raise the finance, whether you can get permission, whether yeah. you can the red tape to go through all of that, yeah. building rates, conservation. Plus, this is, yeah, you see this was listed? So, protected. this is locally listed, which is slightly different. It, it does mean there'll be restrictions on, on what we can and can't do with the property, but we're very open to that. You know, we're, we're keen to work with the council, with conservation, to make sure that. That we do the right things to it. Um, it isn't an officially like, a national heritage grade two listed property, but it, it has been identified as something of local interest, which you know is, is testament really to the fact that local people know about it, have put it forward as a building to be uh, notified as, as something of local interest, and so um, yes, it's phenomenal as, as you know as you've seen. So yeah, I mean, you can't avoid it as you drive down. Yeah. Sunderland Road, I think is the, the name of the, the, the one on the street. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and if I remember the whole in Inmanship, the external view, it's definitely a very identifiable building. Yes, a lot of these as well, it's, it's a beautiful building. Yeah. Um, do you want to just try and kind of wrap this up in some way then? Um, I normally ask people to give a couple of parting tips or, or games or something like that. I mean, is, is, there, is there a, I don't know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there a couple of basic things that people if you want to follow your journey, yeah. where do you begin? What, what's, what's the starting point? Yeah, I think looking back uh, over the last few years where we, we've really ramped up what we've been doing, I think the best thing I can say for, for, for people watching is to, to not be shy asking questions of people who are perhaps a little bit further on or doing what you want to do and, and to, to some degree mirror what they're doing. Reach out to people, take them out for a coffee, ask them questions because in this industry of properties, as you mentioned, people are willing to help and, and give you those pointers. So that was something that definitely benefited me. Um, the saying up here is shy bears getting out. Uh, it's very true. And, um, and I'd say the other thing is a bit of a mantra that I, I carry around, and, and it's that you've got to, if you don't put your rod in the water, you're never going to catch any fish. And there's a lot of people that I think want to get into property and have a go, but then maybe view one property or, or two, get knocked back, don't get the deal, feel like there's nothing available. And 
it's a different mentality when you're in this game. You have to work in volume, put lots of lockers out, and get your boats in the water. Yeah. Because if they're not in the water, the fish you're never going to catch any fish. I love the analogy, so I like the fishing boat. Yeah. I, I was going to try and call them. Actually, there's two interesting points there as well. Is so first of all, if you go into any forum on Facebook or any one thing that puzzles me is the tax advisor. Because I see people on Facebook who say, I'm thinking, you know, the Andy's Porter region, the uncles from Belgium, the one they call the UK trusted. And they try and get answers basically for free of people who, I don't know, order you qualified. So you've got to be careful where you get your, yeah. your information. But then, of course, there's also a stigma of paid formal education and what you pay in this area. How do you strike that balance? I mean, what, what would you say to people if they were thinking, well, I've got a bit of money, I'm happy to pay for help. And this isn't a pitch for you to help them out, that's not what it's intended no. for. But I mean, how do people try to identify whether they can? Some value from that person because they're looking at their, what they've done in their history or assets. So. Yeah, I think I think you have to do your due diligence. You know, not just on properties that you're going to purchase, but on people that you're potentially going to work with. And for us, we did pay for education in, in the early days, and, and and we threw ourselves into that. And it definitely benefited us. We got a lot of benefits out of it. There were certainly things that could have been done better and differently. Um, but I think our mentality was that we wanted to succeed at, at all costs, and, and so we had that that drive and that belief that you know even if things weren't perfect, we would crack on anyway and, and make it work. I think for anybody looking at the property market and in terms of whether they should get education or not, education is a must. However, you get it, so definitely soak up all the free content that you can in terms of. There's plenty of really good podcasts out there, YouTube channels, and individuals that you can follow on social media and start to watch and follow people and people that are doing the sort of things you want to do and have been doing it for a period of time and ask questions not just of them directly but ask questions of people who work with them as well as you would interview a builder or yeah, anybody get recommendations for some reason people just get carried away and they see some fancy photos on, on social media and think I need to do what that person's doing and actually, I found that our success, a lot of it, wasn't seen by anybody in the early days because we were just building those foundations. And it's only as we kind of start to take on the bigger projects, everyone thinks it's happened overnight. Yeah. But there's been a, a lot of hours, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. No success. success no. So, but we have got the picture of Charlie in the fancy sports car over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got a millionaire lifestyle we'll see in a second. That's it, yeah, yeah. Um, That's uh, my new sports car. <laughs> On the training as well, it's quite interesting because I, I meet a lot of people who say I just spent money on training and, and I, I don't know where to go. And I do often feel like I don't have to go those people, but I, I think they think if they spend some money and do a weekend away, they're going to get some properties. But that's that's just it's almost the first step of ten yeah. before you even get to look at properties, isn't it? Yeah. And, and and I think that's part of the reason why. Peer advice gets such a bad name. There is bad advice, yeah. but even good advice, if not followed, is wasted, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, have to implement it. Yeah, you know, at some point, there's a lot of people out there who've done a lot of courses, but have never bought a house. And at some point, you've just got to get out there, you know, in the trenches and start negotiating and offering and not letting something go. And, and I find most people I speak to who've, who've either not succeeded at the rate they wanted to um, or haven't. You know, done any deals yet? I'm normally giving up too soon. Yeah. It's that whole image of 
you know, the person digging for gold and they're, they're actually millimetres away, but they give up before they strike that. I know what you're watching all windows as well. You've got all grown gone. Yeah, still fine, yeah. I suppose the final thing you mentioned there as well as about the Robin Walk is you know, one of the reasons people like Kibble is to get this idea from, you know, my I, I, I used to think everyone's probably nemesis was like Sarah Bean and all that. Because they made it look like you just walked into an auction house and outbid everyone. Yeah. And it worked out in the end. But what most people really forget is that a lot of these shows are reruns of men probably just did that and there's no effort involved. Do you think a lot of people don't realise quite how much work there is after that weekend causes? Because, you, you, you know, we joked about delayed gratification. Yeah. So then we thought, don't give up. It's going to take you a long time, a lot of rejections, a lot of no's before you get your first hit, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, uh, again, just coming back to analogies, you know, I, I think of it like, you know, I, I want to have deep roots and deep soil to allow me to grow stronger and bigger. And I think there's a lot of people that shoot up quickly, become very vis visible in the property world, but their roots are very shallow. Yeah. And so they wither and die, for want of a better word, quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd much rather build a solid foundation. And so, you know, people find it surprising when I say, in three months we viewed 100 properties and offered on them all. And, and in the same conversation, somebody's telling me they've viewed five, offered on two, and they're, they're going to give up on the property. Or okay. what happens on the reverse as well is they think, why is this not happening? Yeah. I'll offer more. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're offering a price that just doesn't work. Yeah, they're going to And then they're leaving too much money in the deal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you see a lot of people in quits, a lot of people who rush in, and there aren't that many who've got the nerve just to stick it out and think, well, this is a long game. Yeah. Takes six months to get a property. That's that's fine. Yeah, I think properties. If you're a plodder, you can be great at property. Plodders for life, isn't it? It's not just for us. Exactly. Yes, but people who just want to sprint into it, make a quick buck. I think you have to change that strategy really now. You know, there's so much competition. There's money in the market. Uh, you have to try and adjust your strategy to 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 succeed. There's a lot of paperwork as well. I'm sure you've got a spreadsheet with a hundred names or a hundred properties. What are they put in? What date you put it in? Exactly. Have all that. And again, a lot of people don't do that. They're ringing a local agent with you four flats and they buy one of them. Yeah. And it's, there's no guarantee that's the right one, isn't it? No. Well, thanks very much, Charlie. I hope everyone's enjoyed that. And, um, I know I certainly always enjoy speaking to you, Charlie. So thanks for making the time while you're up here. Thanks for having me. I hope it goes well. And uh, look forward to keeping an eye on your journey. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Bill.